Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Pastor Omar said a smile a little more, so I can't shake the smile now. <laughs> you guys can be seated. Smile gone, it's game time. Got a lot to say. Uh, man, God bless you guys. What a joy to be here. Uh, let's just get into the word. Anything that you love more than God, you give it a name. That's called an idol. And every idol that we create in our life is a failed attempt to find in created things what we could only find in the Creator. And what idols represent are the substitutes of God that we make for ourselves. Exodus tells us, for you shall not worship no other God for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. God can be jealous because he created us to worship him. So stick with me. I'm going to try to do my best Pastor Rob Santiago uh, impression by teaching this right here. Okay? So stick with me. Here we go. Okay. God does not want to be the most loved thing in your life. He wants to be the only love thing in your life now 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 the where i get this from is in luke chapter 14 verse 26 it's not up there just stay with me if anyone comes to me does not hate his own father mother wife children brothers sisters and yes even his own life he cannot be my disciple that is what our lord and savior jesus christ said the person we're all here for this is what he said that sounds a little ruthless that sounds a little harsh but it also was harsh when he told the rich young ruler you can't follow me because you're not willing to sell everything that you have now, it may seem that God wants us to love things less, but in fact, it's the exact opposite. How? It's, he wants us to love things more. Okay, but how? Here, here, here I'm going to put it all together right here. Is the only way to truly love and enjoy anything at all is by loving and enjoying God first. And the only way to do that is through finding all of our satisfaction in him. When this happens... When we reach this level of maturity, when we reach this level in our walks with, with God, is when that happens, everything that we do becomes worship to God. It is a soundtrack to our life. I mean, when you wake up, when you just begin to think about how his mercies are new every day, how just his grace for allowing us to wake up, that when I wake up and I just love my wife and I love my children, I go to work, do everything I can unto the Lord, and then I come back home and, and, and I love my friends, I love my... like. That is all worship to God. All of that is worship to God. So, so here's an issue that I have with the church. Now, if the shoe fits, wear it. If the shoe fits, wear it ministries. That's what I'm going to call this. If the shoe fits with this, listen, and I'm speaking in general, but if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, so be it. There are people that may also use things that appear godly, like a ministry, like a, like a position, or like a spiritual gift and they use it to honor themselves in that case they've turned the tools that God has provided to them they turn those into idols for themselves now here's some biblical point of view for you regarding this okay you look at the Israelites what they did was they took the, the Ark of the Covenant into battle they used what God originally gave to honor him and they used it to honor themselves instead now here's the difference between a godly tool and an ungodly item is the person that it serves. That's up for you to decide. 
That is between you and the Lord. One thing that we idolize also is there's people that idolize the church more than they do God. Because they walk in the church, they feel safe. Because you walk into the church, they feel good. And, and the struggle here is there may be a change in your schedule, but there's no real change in your life. What happens when we idolize the preacher more than God? Some of you guys idolize Pastor Omar, some of our pastors here, more than you do God, more than you do the Word of God itself. That is an issue. And my prayer is this, that we don't just come to church to be entertained. That we don't come, uh, like entertainment is cool, that is natural for us, especially in America. But in the American culture, in American Christianity, we use the pulpit as like a shopping window for talent. We use it as a shopping window for charisma. No, it doesn't matter what they said, it's how they said it. It doesn't matter what they're preaching, but they did a bunch of 360s, stomped on the floor, and they wooed like James Brown. That's what we love. That's what we're drawn to. We love those types of ministries. But listen to me. I'm not preaching death to America. I'm not preaching uh, uh, like the downfall of America. There will come a time in America. There may be even come a time in your place, if it, if it, in your life, that if it hasn't happened now, it will happen eventually. That you're not going to be able to stand on the clever words of man. What happens when suffering and persecution comes to your life? What do you say? I'll deal with it when it gets here. You can't do that. Certain circumstances will require you to have the word of God inside of you so you can withstand the pressure of attack and misfortune. So when Pastor Omar is gone, when, when your pastors, your assistant pastors, your connect group leader is nowhere to be found, when you can't pull out your notepad from last week's sermon, when you can't look through your notepad to say the seven steps to overcome, ten steps to be blessed, when, when, when Stephen Furtick's motivational speeches no longer do it for you anymore, what will become of you? Will you fold or will you stand? Will you be standing there with your tail tucked between your legs, not knowing what to do, or will you stand there with your chest out in the midst of lions? We, we need to learn, listen church, we need to learn how to search through the scriptures for ourselves. We're so impressed by talents. We're so impressed by platforms. We're so moved by labels. And I pray that we would grow up from that. That we would be in awe of one thing. That is God's word. That we read it and we would be amazed. That we would hear it. And that we would be amazed that when it is proclaimed, that we would be in awe. Because you know what I know about the Word of God? That it's alive and that it's active. Because as I read the Bible, the Bible reads me. As I search through the Scriptures, those Scriptures search me. And I pray today that something shifts inside of you, that you would just be in awe and wonder of God's Word. And so today, I'm going to just teach from two Scriptures. Romans chapter 12 Verse 1 and 2, some of the most popular scriptures in the New Testament on being sacrificed and transformed. Because you know what? Nobody cares. Jesus certainly doesn't care how well you sing. Jesus certainly doesn't care how well you speak, how, how much you, you show up on time, how well you serve, if you're not sacrificed and transformed. So pray with me, church. Lord, I thank you, God, for this time. Thank you for this moment, for this opportunity. I pray, God, that your people, Lord, would... Be surrendered, God. Soften our hearts, Lord. And I pray, God, for the hardest of hearts, Lord, to the most surrendered, that your Holy Spirit would walk with us, speak with us. I'm just but a vessel. I set myself aside. I pray you would deliver the words from my mouth into the hearts of your people. 
In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, thank you, Rock. Before we go any further, uh, I just want to say what, what, a, what an opportunity, what a privilege this is uh, for me to open up our midweek services for the beginning of the year. I was not chosen. It just kind of happened uh, just with the rotation and everything, but it's an honor. I appreciate it. I'm grateful. I want to honor the, the man and women of God, Pastor Omar Cicerletti. I think we could do a little better than that. Um, yeah, that's right. They deserve double. Whenever you decide to clap, they deserve double honor. So just go a little faster and louder. Yeah. Um, I'm excited just to be under your leadership for 2023 this whole year and for as long as you'll have me. <laughs> just uh, honor the rest of our pastoral team. Honor my wife. I love you. What a great uh, worship set. The anointing. Praise God. I'm going to start crying. Move on. Uh, and you know what I really feel is on my heart. I, I, I just want to share. That there's, a, there's a gentleman here, uh, Brother George, wherever you're sitting, uh, the Lord knows who you are. Th- this man, he encouraged me in the most unsuspected way uh, at the time. And uh, it was just never met him before. He, he joins us online week in, week out because of uh, certain circumstances. But he's here tonight. So God bless you. Appreciate you, brother. Um, and so Romans chapter 12, right? Before we get to chapter 12, I want to break down, break down chapter 1 through 11 real quick. What Paul is doing is he's, he's in Corinth at this time, and he's writing to the church in Rome. He hears about a growing church in Rome that was founded by Jews that were there at the day of Pentecost. These people that were there at the day of Pentecost, they traveled to Rome, uh, and they decided, we're, we're going to start a church, and this church is now growing. This church is full of every type of believer there is. The Jews and the Gentiles. And we know that there's a little tension there, right? So there was tension inside of this church. There were people that were holding on to old traditions. There were people that were holding on to old religious mindsets. They were even trying to keep the Ten Commandments for themselves. They thought that they could live them out. But we all know that is impossible to do. So they were fighting. And so what Paul says is, you know what? I need to write them. He's never been there ever. But what Paul Paul loves this church so much. He's never been there. He loves this church so much. He even goes on to say, I wish I could exchange my own salvation for you guys. Like that's how much he loves these people. And now for 11 chapters, before we get to chapter 12, what he does is he just unloads a bunch of theology on them. Like theology after theology, the power of so much stuff. And we're going to get into it. But one of the things that he mentions is the utter depravity of human beings is that we are born separated from God into sin. Well, I'm a good person, right? We say that. Well, I'm a good person. Well, the word of God tells me that nobody is good but God. And, and, and it even says like all of your goodness, you, you put together all the good things in your life, all the good things you've ever done, all the good things people have ever t- said about you. You put all those into a jar or wherever it fits. And it even says, the Bible says, those are but filthy rags to the Lord. Like when, I, when, when I'm thinking about this, like we just throw it away, right? Oh, it's just a dirty towel. Like, no, no, no. It is like a, it is like a shop towel at a mechanic shop. It's nasty. It's filthy. It's like a period rag. It's nasty. It's filthy. I want you guys to understand how nasty and filthy some of this stuff is. He goes on to, to explain that there are people that are just so ignorant that they seal themselves off to, to God. Goes on to talk about how people stray from God because they love evil. He goes on to express what Jesus did on the cross for us. He exalts, he exalts the life of Christ. He goes on to show the power of the gospel. 
The reason why we're all here today, the power of the gospel, able to snatch a broken person, heal their life, clean them up, and make them right in the sight of God. There is no message that is more powerful than the gospel message. I don't care what the Quran has to say. I don't care what the Book of Mormon has to say. I don't care what the New Age philosophy has to say. There is no greater message than the gospel message that has the power to transform a sinful person, yank them from darkness into God's marvelous light. And it is not because our own good behavior. It's because of the power of the work you cannot do on your own. A couple of things. That you'll hear in the first chapters of Romans is that God saved you. In chapter 1 verse 9 it says that if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus, that he's Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God saved us. He redeemed us. He regenerated us. You, are, you were dead but now you are alive by the Holy Spirit. He justified you. He took away the life sentence of death that was on your life. He took that from you. He raised you up. He, re he removed condemnation for you. If God before you, who could be against you? He says this in Romans. What else does he say? He says that the Holy Spirit prays for you. Man, I, for, for one, I miss my grandma. I remember every time that I would see her, which wasn't often, I would see her. Oh, Gloria Dios, thank you for me, Jonathan. That's what she would say. And she, man, and I remember thinking of her prayers. I don't remember many, many people praying for me, but my grandma. And even in the darkest times of my life, when I feel like I got nothing to say to the Lord, when, I don't, when I'm too prideful to reach out, the Holy Spirit is praying for me. The Holy Spirit is praying for you. It says that the wages of sin is death. You'll read that in Romans. The suffering at this time is not comparable to the glory that we shall see. You'll read that in Romans. God causes all things to work together for those, for the good of those who love him and then called according to his purposes. We love that. God, through the death of Christ, demonstrates his love for you. All in Romans from 1 through 11. So when I think about if I don't ever get that promotion, if I don't ever get that raise, if I don't ever get certain things in my life, it's cool because I'm saved. If God doesn't come through, it's cool. He redeemed me already. If God doesn't do another thing for me on this earth, he's done it all on the cross. So this is where I find my strength. And listen, because God did all of that for us, this isn't me speaking on someone's behalf. This is the living word of God, something that an apostle Paul had said that Jesus has done for you. We believe that, right? You believe God has done all those things. Let me see a show of hands. Because God did all of those for you, now we pivot to chapter 12. And it says this, Paul says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Other translations, Paul unloads on them just the gospel message of what God has done, all of his goodness. And in and, and other messages, it says, I beg you. He is begging you. Because God has done all of this. He wants you to present your bodies. It's not yours. You have been purchased. He's, he's saying, I want your body. I want your heart. I want your mind. I don't want your fake behavior. I want your sacrifice. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable acts of service. Other translation says, this is your reasonable acts of worship. He says, I beg you, therefore, 
This word therefore is a conjunction of what I'm about to tell you with the previous thought. So he brought, he brought everything from chapter 1 through chapter 11. He brought it all and he says, therefore, because Christ did all of this for you, now I beg you to present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual act of worship. He anchors what he's talking about in chapter 1 through 11 till now. He was, ta- he was telling them the gospel message that without Christ, you are an object to God's wrath. We don't hear that much. Without the work of Christ, we are bound for a one-way ticket to hell. He anchors your response to right living that we must live right to everything that the Lord has done. We don't hear that often. In this church, we do. But when when I'm speaking about the bondage of American Christianity, we don't hear that much. What do we hear is that if you live right, God will bless you. You need to be holy so you can be blessed. You need to give this amount of money so you can be blessed. You need to finish these amount of classes so you can be blessed. Sister, we know that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Like we hear all of these things. And we anchor good behavior to blessing. But the fallacy to that is that what if I'm good and I still don't get that? What if I'm good and God still doesn't answer my prayer? You know what that does? That sets us up for disappointment. That sets us up for disillusionment. What that does is that we end up with a lack of desire for God. If, if, if God doesn't come through, then we just turn away. We get bitter. We get angry. We're nowhere to be found. Paul never preached that. Nowhere in Paul's letters to any of the churches will you see Paul preaching this type of, type of, of heresy. But that's the, that's the American preaching. That's what we hear everywhere. Paul anchors his teaching by our response to what God has already done. This is what God has done. Now it's your turn to respond. He opens up his letters with what God has done. Because of that, this is how you respond. But, but, but you want to know why that doesn't work for us? You want to know why, like, all of that goodness that God has done doesn't just naturally, you, uh, it doesn't allow us just to respond the right way. You know why? Because we get bored of the cross. We get, we're just bored of the gospel message. We're bored with just reading the word. We need to hear it from other people. Why don't we lean into what Christ has already done? Because we're so focused on what we want him to do, what we feel we need him to do. And, and, and this all happens because we get prideful, we get arrogant, we get stubborn, we get bored, we get religious. And now we start getting besides ourselves because we just start to rely on our own talents and our own wisdom. I don't know how long some of you have been here, I do, but, but man, we've been in church for so long, some of us need to hear that we're wretched. That we're broken. That we need, we need a living Savior that died on the cross. We need the living Word of God that will transform us. We need to remember that. But because we're bored, that's not strong enough to move us to good behavior. That's not strong enough to get us to respond to a Savior that has done everything for us already. What do we need? We need a word. Right? We need the prophet to, get it, to give us a word. So we're up at midnight watching the prophet, hoping, hoping they'll pick us. What do you need things to get really bad, really fast for you to respond? Why, when we have everything we need in the gospel, 
We have everything we need in the living word of God. You know what Paul says? Paul says that if anyone preaches anything other than this message, let them be damned. Your big old church, damned. All that money that you get from your ministry, damned. If you are preaching any other message than the gospel message that I am preaching, Sacrifice back then used to be with animals. Whatever type of animal that you had, whether sheep, goat, uh, the, the cows, whatever it was, they, that's how they would bring their sacrifices. You can imagine some of them saying, well, you want us to sacrifice ourselves? I'm a volunteer homeboy over there. Yeah, he, he's been flirting with my wife. Let's get him, right? Like, that's, not ha- that's never happened. So they, their sacrifice was to animals. So you could imagine, they're thinking like, what, what kind of sacrifice? Paul's saying, I want you to be a living sacrifice. You know that unforgiveness? I want you to kill that. You know that greed that's in your heart? I want you to kill that. That lust and perversion that has your eyes bouncing around? I want you to kill that. I want you, all of the slander, you keep putting yourself at the altar of God. I want you to kill all of that. This is what he's saying for us to do. Not just, every, not just every year, not just every month, not when we get caught. He's saying every single day to present yourselves as a living sacrifice. This is Christianity. This is what followers of Jesus Christ do. All that posting on Instagram, that's not Christianity. All the liking, all the sharing, that's not, that's not Christianity. You're so impressed by the following. You're so impressed by all the shares. Like, God isn't impressed with that. God is impressed with sacrifice. That's what the Lord likes. So stop being moved by money. Stop being moved by labels. Stop being moved by followings. But start being impressed by fruit. The kingdom is moved by, by apples and oranges. That's what we should be moved by. That's what we should judge by is the fruit of someone's life. Apples and oranges. But you know what we like? We like Reese's Pieces and like pan dulce. That's what you want. That's what the church in America wants is they love that. What would God do with the body that is presented to him? He'll purify it. He'll prune it. He'll mature it. He'll break it. He'll bless it. He'll give it. The Bible shows time and time again what God will do with somebody that will sacrifice their life to him. Well, I don't have anything to give. He's just asking for yourself. I don't have any talents. He's just asking for yourself. I don't have any friends. I don't have any influence. I don't have this. I don't have that. He's just asking for you. That's it. He, that's all he's asking for. Now let's pivot to Romans chapter, chapter 12, verse 2. It says this. It says, Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Our minds need to be continually renewed, because where our mind is, it's connected to our heart, it's connected to our mouth, it's connected to our hands and to our feet and all that we do. And, and when we read this verse, you know what we do? Is we crucify the world. Well, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Yeah, because we know the world is wicked. Yeah, I understand that. But the proper context of, of the of world in this is do not be conformed to this world. The proper context of that word is age, meaning time, meaning culture, meaning the period and time of which the reader lives. 
which is 2023 for us. He says, don't be molded to society, the patterns, the trends, the nonsense. One of the most stupid, foolish, idiotic things I have ever experienced in my young life is the fact that people cannot answer what a woman is. There's one answer to that, right? We know that. We know the answer to what a woman is. But you know what conforming is? Conforming is when we forsake truth for nonsense just to avoid conflict. Just to, just to appease other people. What else in this world? Vanity, materialism, greed, comparison. Well, I don't have this, I don't have that. He's saying, don't be pressed into the mold of the age. Don't go downstream with society because we know that these times are ungodly. Why? These times are just evil. People are evil. Everyone is trolling. Everyone's a meme nowadays. Everyone's a bully. Everyone is doing this and everyone is doing that. And all the girls at my school are acting ratchet and hoeing around. All the guys are worried about, about running up their body count. Everyone's drinking. Everyone's smoking. Everyone, everyone's sharing porn accounts. This is, this is the world. I want to outlast this world by being set apart. And the only way that I'm set apart is that I'm constantly renewed in my mind by sacrificing and putting myself at the altar every single day because I'm not perfect. And if anybody knows that, it's my wife and it's my daughter and my son's going to find out very soon. Every single day, I'm at the altar. Wherever that is, Lord, I'm broken. Help me renew my mind. This is what I did wrong. This is where I need breakthrough. This is where bondage is starting to creep in. I want to let it go. If we become like the world, they won't be able to see Jesus in us. If we look like them, if we smell like them, if we do everything that they do, if it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's a duck. This is what believers, this is what we do. We want to fit in as much as possible. How will we be distinct if we look like them, if we walk and talk like them? Paul, he's writing to Timothy, young protege. Uh, this is, Timothy is a, is a pastor. We all know who Timothy is. At this time, he is pastoring in Ephesus. And Peter is writing um, to him in Rome where he's going to be persecuted. This is the last thing that, that Paul has ever written. And he's writing this to Timothy. He says this, I didn't give it to them. It says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, appeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. You'll see that all over Instagram. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. You'll see that in the church. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people for among them. Are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of truth. Listen, don't just not conform to the world. It's not enough just to reject the times. We have to be transformed. Your mind has to be renewed. You're saved in your soul, made alive by the Holy Spirit, but now your mind needs to be changed. 
It needs to be renewed over a course of time. You know what that's called? That's called healing. That is when we set our eyes on the Lord and everything else just grows dim. You know, we fight with the word often. As I'm making this message, I was starting to, to fight with the word is that we believe in one thing, but the word says another. Our mind needs to be renewed. The Bible says to forgive and you say no. How do we say no? Ask yourself why you haven't forget, forgave that person that hurt you. And we're believers, right? We believe one thing, but the word of God says another. It says to give. You say no. You hold on to that. It says to serve. You say no. It says to honor, but you say no. It says to give double honor to those that lead you. You say no. We need to constantly be renewed. How do we do that? By tearing down old thoughts and setting up good thoughts. Then when these good thoughts naturally, they overcome those bad thoughts over a period of time. You can't be renewed in your mind by articles on Google. You can't be renewed in your mind by just scrolling through Instagram without picking up your word. We, we can't be renewed by these things. The word of God is the only way to renew your mind. This is why we should read it. This is why we should listen to it. This is why we should go to churches that preach it. You guys are all safe. I struggled. I said, you know what, Lord? I want a prophetic word for the church. I'm not going to move from this room until you give it to me. Nothing. Right? And so naturally, this is what probably half of the churches out there are doing. It's prophetic word. This is what we're going to do. Well, I'm going to give you a prophetic word. But it's not just for 2023. It's for your life. Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 29. He says this. He says, where there is no vision, the people perish. We know that, right? Very popular scripture. It's on your vision board. It's, our, it's, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere for the year. In the proper context of which the writer shares this. He says this. He says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people perish. But blessed is the one who keeps the law. You guys want to know what a prophetic vision is so we don't perish? It's that we need to be saved. It's that without the blood of Christ, we are damned. It's that those apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, those living a double lifestyle, those that do whatever they want, even though they have the knowledge of the truth and there's no sacrifice left for them. The prophetic vision is this is that everything that the Lord has laid out for you, you could read Revelation for yourself, that, that should give us incentive just to worship the Lord, just to live right. But I'm going to share this. John on a prison island, and he's on this prison because he preached the gospel, he wrote this. He wrote a bunch of stuff that the Lord did not hide from humanity. He says, this is what is going to happen to Everybody. He doesn't leave it a secret to how this world is going to end. He tells all of humanity that the wicked are going to burn in the lake of fire and that the righteous are going to carry a reward, a reward into eternal life. Jesus will reign. Man, I love that. Jesus will reign and everyone who was sacrificed and transformed will reign with him. Listen, if God went to great lengths to preserve the scriptures for thousands of years through all the burnings of the Bibles, through all the martyrs and the blood that was spilled for us to have the word of God, the preservation just so you can have it, so you can have knowledge of the end, 
So you can have knowledge of judgment. So you can have knowledge of hell. And you can have knowledge of heaven reward. That is the prophetic vision so we do not perish. Is that Jesus will come back, but he's not coming back as a baby in a manger. He's not coming back to bring peace. He's coming back to declare war. He's coming back to draw a line of those that followed him and those that don't. And where do you line up on which side? How will we know? By reading the word of God. By submitting ourselves. By sacrificing ourselves. By putting ourselves at the altar. By renewing our mind over and over again. John also shared something. And this is so powerful to me. And this completely just... It gave me encouragement. I probably read this like in in April of of last year. And I want to read it with you guys in Revelation chapter 1. I believe I did give you guys this verse. This is John writing. Jesus had said, John, I want you to write this. Um, and, And before he writes to the seven churches and before he writes the book of Revelation, this is John's account. It says this. Uh, I'm ending a little. If I could have the worship team with me, I want you guys to flow with me. It says this. It says, I turned around, this is John speaking, and I saw the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. When I saw him, it says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last Man, I'm encourage somebody, some of you today. Listen to this. At first, I got confused. John, did you not walk with Jesus? John, did you not walk with him on this earth? Did you not touch him? Were you not with him? Did you not hear his teachings? Did you not see the healings? Did you not see the miracles? Did you not hear the stories? John, you were in the presence of this man, but now you're on your face as though dead. What John saw was not just a resurrected Jesus. What John saw now was a fully glorified Jesus. This Jesus that he saw has gone to heaven has sat in the throne room at the right hand of the Father. This Jesus that he saw was crowned with many crowns. This Jesus that he saw holds life. He holds the keys of death. This Jesus that he saw has all authority. When he saw the glorified Jesus, he fell down. Let me remind some of you, this is the Jesus that we serve. This is the Jesus that we worship. This is the Jesus that we pray to. This is the Jesus that is with us right now. A fully glorified Jesus. Not just a man. 
Not somebody that can bleed, that can be on a cross and just die for our sins. It is a fully glorified Jesus. Not a Jesus that will lie. Not a fairy tale Jesus. Not somebody who can't deliver. Not somebody who doesn't keep his promises. The same Jesus that John fell down as though dead is the same Jesus that goes before you when we pray. That's with us now. He's not the man on a t-shirt. He's not the person that we wear on, our, on the crosses. He's not the person that we see in images all across our nation. We're dealing with a glorified Jesus. So yes, I get fed up when people blaspheme him. When we treat him like he's a sucker. When we treat him like he can't do anything for us. Like we need him to do everything for us. How do we sit down during worship? In the, in the least legalistic, non-religious way. How come we can't just be faithful? How do we just go through the motions? Why don't we just take him serious? Why don't we take prayer serious? Why don't we take the preaching of the word of God serious? Why don't we take connect groups and fellowship uh, with one another serious? We are dealing with a glorified Jesus. Not a baby in a manger. So I don't pray when I, I, I don't play around when I open up my word. I don't play around when I come to church. He's worthy of you standing. He's worthy of you singing. He's worthy of your sacrifice. He's worthy of you lifting your hand. He's worthy of that little offering that you clutch and you hold on to. He's worthy of that. He's worthy of my serving. He's worthy of me being involved. This is the glorified Jesus. Am I talking to anybody? Does this make sense to anybody? Like, this is the glorified Jesus that we serve. He's worthy of you showing up on time. He's worthy of you joining in ministry, of you loving your neighbor. He's worthy of your life. He's worthy of your sacrifice. We have to respect this glorified Jesus. Do you know who you worship? I don't know why we get nervous when attacks come. I don't know why we tuck our tail between our legs. I don't know why we get scared when we have the full force of a glorified Jesus. My goodness. I'm not nervous at no demonic attack. I'm not nervous when somebody comes and tries to throw me off or when there's a spiritual battle. I'm not nervous of some wolves in sheep's clothing. I'm not afraid. Why do we walk around with our head down kicking rocks when we serve a glorified Jesus? I'm not sure that person I'm praying for will ever get saved. But he still will glorify Jesus. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sure that the insecurities that I have I'll ever get over, but I serve a glorified Jesus. I'm going to sacrifice that. I'm going to kill that. Lord, renew my mind. I'm not sure that we'll ever get a building. I believe we will. But he's still a glorified Jesus. We go to three services. He's a glorified Jesus. The people in the nursery got to work a little overtime. He's a glorified Jesus. I'm struggling to pay rent. He's a glorified Jesus. This is the God that I serve. When I was young, I, I, I used to watch the Power Rangers and those little gray monsters were like the easiest things to beat up. 
Like, they, they were terrible. Like, sometimes that's how I feel when I'm fighting these demonic attacks on my life. Because I serve a glorified Jesus. I'm not walking away. I'm not going to abandon him. Like, I mean this in, in, in the craziest way possible from the deep, the deepest parts of my heart. I'll never get an invite from another church again, and I'll still serve him. I'll still preach the word of God. I don't care if it's in front of you. I don't care if it's in front of my connect group or to my children. Because I serve a glorified Jesus, and you are worthy. You deserve the truth. You don't deserve this candy-painted stuff that is given to you every time we turn left and right. Whenever we open up our Instagrams. Whenever we open up social media, you deserve the truth. The world deserves the truth. I'm not nervous. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to step out because the person that will catch me is a glorified Jesus. How is God going to fail you? Tell me. How is you being sacrificed, transformed by the renewing of your mind to be set apart from the world? How is he going to fail you? Tell me how somebody with all authority in heaven and on earth is going to fail you. I'll wait. He can't. He won't because he's a glorified Jesus and and he sticks to his word. His promises are yes and amen. He is faithful to those that are faithful to him. This world is an absolute clown show. Like it is... Circus Soleil. It is Barnum and Bailey on steroids. This world is a puppet show. I don't know why we're so jealous of evil people that are flourishing. I don't know why we're. I don't. I don't. I don't know why we're so attracted to the abuse and to the porn and to the in, in people with unbridled ambition. Man, the things that I want is just a clown show. It, you know what? It's going to end. So why conform to it? Why not live different? When I, when I look at what's happening, I want to be at the altar. I want my mind to be renewed. I want to speak like God is speaking through me. I want to love my wife. I want to love my children. I want to be faithful and steward whatever ministry God gives me, whatever people God puts in my life, whoever God tells me to serve. I want to be faithful to that. I want to stick with the Lord. Like, that is the only thing that matters. What sense does it make for Christians? Hear me out. What sense does it make for Christians with knowledge of a new world to come to be conformed to a world that is going to perish? Without a prophetic vision, the people perish. What good is it for you to have the knowledge of how this world is going to end and still be conformed to it? That doesn't make any sense to me at all. Why would we do that? So I beg you. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed. Jesus loves you. Nothing will change that. God God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you. 
He died a brutal death. He took your place. We should be on that cross. We deserve hell. But because of God, like our God loves us, he sent his son to take your place. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. You're sitting here today. I have a passion for the word. This is my personality. It might be aggressive. But can I tell you something? I, my heart is just grace and truth. That's it. I got, I got, I got no other intention grace and truth to share with you the love of Jesus Christ. If you're sitting there in your seat and you say, you know what? I want Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to take that call. I want to give him my life because the way that I'm living is not right. Can I tell you that majority of the people in this place have done it. I've done it hundreds of times, maybe even thousands, but I want to tell you that this, today is a day of salvation. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You say, today I want to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. I want to serve him. I want to sacrifice my life. I want to give him my life and be transformed. If that's you, will you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. I see one hand back there. I see another hand right here. I see another hand. I see another hand. God bless you. Hands all across this place. They don't care what anyone else thinks. They said, I want the Lord. That's all that matters. I want the Lord. I'm going to sacrifice myself right now. Even my pride, even my insecurities, even the thoughts of what other people would think about me. I'm going to put it at the altar. And I want to join with those that have already raised their hand. I'm going to give you this last call. If that's you, will you raise your hand? Praise God. Man, God is so good. Church, as we welcome these people, listen, I welcome you to this altar. We're going to pray with you. As we welcome them, church, can we rise? Can we stand to our feet? Can we welcome them into the house of the Lord? Into the, they're grafted in to God's family. Will you join me at this altar? I want to pray with you. It is an honor. It is a privilege. Praise God. Come on, church. Come on, church. These are, new, these are people giving their lives to the Lord. God bless you, brother. There were more hands than that. We'll wait for you. Come on, join us here at this altar. God is good. God is good. Praise God. As a church, we're going to pray for you. This is called the sinner's prayer. There's no proper formula to it. They're all different. I'm going to say some words. You'll repeat them after me. But I want you to surrender your heart and just say them to the Lord. Whatever he looks like to you, however you surrender your heart to him, just say these words to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Will you do that with me? Say them out loud. Bow your head and close your eyes. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice, for dying on the cross for my sins. Today, I give you my life. I surrender. I want you to be Lord. I want you to be Savior. Help me. Give me wisdom, knowledge, strength, and courage to follow you for the rest of my days. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Church, can we give them, can we give them an applause? Listen, these altar workers are going to pray for you. They're going to speak a word over you. God bless you guys. What other way to start our year? By just being sacrificed, offering ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. Like, you want a New Year's resolution? Well, here's a new life resolution. A living sacrifice daily to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It sounds easier said than done, but I serve a glorified Jesus. If you serve that glorified Jesus with me, if you want to be, you want to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, get that strength, that courage to, to just withstand this world. These altars are open. Let's pray. Let's throw it at the feet of Jesus. There are certain things that we need to lay down. There are certain mindsets that we got to let go. The altars are open. Will you join us? 
I ask those of you guys that are joining us early, if you can make your way all the way up to the altar, save some room for the people coming behind you. Let's pray. Let's contend. Let's allow the worship team to lead us. Father, we thank you. You are worthy. Hallelujah. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.